If you have your Bibles, if you turn to the book of Acts, I, believe it or not, just got one verse to read in our opening. That rarely happens. But I'd like to go to the book of Acts, chapter 13, verse 17. Thirteen seventeen reads, The God of this people Israel chose our fathers and made the people great during their stay in the land of Egypt, and with uplifted arm he led them out of it. Brother Larry, would you pray over the service? seated. I want you to know something, if I can just talk from my heart just for a minute, and then we'll let God talk, right? But I love being in church with you. I love coming to More Life Tabernacle and worshiping the Lord with each and every one of you. I love hearing the Word of God with each and every one of you. I love the teaching of the Word of God with each and every one of you. I've been to a lot of churches. I've heard a lot of saints and ministers testify. And above them all, and they're wonderful people, I love being with you more than all. When you're with your family, and I view everyone as family. We don't always like our family. We don't always agree with our family. We don't always get along with our family. But there is no other comfort of when you're with family. That even though things come and go, you know your family is still around and has your back. There is a comfort with being around your family. And not only are we family, but the Lord is our family. The Lord that sits in heaven and on the throne is our family. He's our Father in heaven that does all things well and all things purposeful. He is the God of good. He's the God of good. Greatness in the stay is what I titled this. Because in Acts 13 that we read, it says, The God of this people, Israel, chose our fathers and made the people great during their stay in the land of Egypt. There's many times that we preach and we teach and we talk and we testify about the coming out of Egypt, about the greatness of deliverance, about the wonderful delivering, restoring power of the Lord. But this is going to be a message about the greatness while we're in the stay. This is going to be a word from heaven about how God is great in the stay. About His people and His desire for His people that walk in greatness and in an excellent spirit in the stay 
of God. Joseph was an Israelite, and he was put into slavery by his brothers. And he is bought by a man called Potiphar. And he becomes the keeper of Potiphar's wealth and Potiphar's land and Potiphar's assets. Joseph is manager of them. He's also a slave, but he manages all the wealth and all the property and all the equity of, of Potiphar. And so Joseph, in a state of staying, a state where he could not just leave. He couldn't just do what he wanted. He couldn't go wherever he wanted to go. He couldn't just run down to the local store. He couldn't go on vacation down to Disney World. And he, he couldn't go down to the Bahamas. And he couldn't go to Arizona. He just couldn't do what he wanted with his life. His life was controlled by another man's life. And in this, he had promises from God. He had words from God. He had dreams from God. He had direction from God. But in the stay in Potiphar's house, you know the story. It, he was attacked and he was falsely accused. But the Word of God says this about Joseph, that the Lord was with Joseph, and he became a successful man, and he, and he was in the house of his Egyptian master. His master saw that the Lord was with him, and the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. So Joseph found favor in his sight and attended him, and he made him overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he had. It didn't matter where Joseph was staying in the grand scheme of things. What mattered was the attitude and the spirit that Joseph walked in in the stay in Potiphar's house. He could have had an attitude of resentment, an attitude of complaint, an attitude of bitterness, an attitude of rebellion against the will of God. But instead, the hand of Joseph grabbed that scrub brush and began to scrub the tile floors. And he began to take the cloth and wipe down the walls. He began to do the dishes. He began to mow the lawn. Joseph was a slave and a servant. But all that he did was with the Spirit of the Lord leading him and the Spirit of God blessing him that the man that ruled over him didn't just see Joseph but he saw the Spirit of God before Joseph. God said in our opening scripture that he chose the Israelites' father. And it says that he made the people great during their stay. It does not say that God at this point delivered his people right then and there. That God didn't immediately end their incarceration. He didn't immediately end their slavery. But while they were going through the process, while they were journeying through the valley of the shadow of death, God looked at them and said, I see where you're at, but before the deliverance, I'm going to make you great in the middle of your darkness. I'm going to make you great in the middle of distress. I'm going to make you great while you scrub the floors in Potiphar's house. 
Joseph gets promoted out of Potiphar's house and he's elevated before all of Egypt and he goes before Pharaoh and this is what the word of God says. And Pharaoh said to his servants, can we find a man like this? A man like what, Pharaoh? A man like this in whom is the spirit of God. I find it funny because the Holy Ghost had not yet been poured out on man. But yet Pharaoh recognizes the Spirit of God all over Joseph. This brings conviction in one of the highest levels that a man that was not speaking in tongues and filled with the Holy Ghost after Calvary, a man pre-Calvary, a man before Jesus Christ was walking in the image of Christ, was walking in an attitude of Christ, was walking with the heart of God, that he recognized that he had been given direction of God. He had been given dreams of God. But it wasn't playing out like the dreams he saw. It wasn't unfolding the way he imagined it would go. Instead, he went from greatness, laying in his bedroom, looking at the stars, having great dreams of God, to being underneath and making the beds of his Egyptian masters. He went from hero to zero, if you would, real quick. His bubble got bursted. His dreams dissolved. Or so we think they did. But I see a man that never gave up on the dreams. I see a man that never quit God, but had a made-up mind in the Lord that said, God, you're the one that gave me direction. You're the one that gave me dreams. Just because there's enemies and there's evil and there's wickedness in this world, and sometimes it's in people, and sometimes that wickedness comes on us, I'm not going to lose your spirit over another man. I'm not going to lose what God has given me because something tragic happens in my life. My wife showed you the video with Boston. All that you hear, the times you hear me tell of the dinner with Jesus was right around that time. The time when I was utterly destroyed inside sitting on the front row right about where you're at, Brother Brian, in a video 17, 18 years ago, however long it was, struggling with the internal questions to God of what I had done to deserve this, of where I went wrong that the outcome was this way. Because I went to Bible college. I gave the Lord my heart when I was a teenager. I tried to do things right. I kept myself for my wife. I tried to walk upright when all my friends were doing drugs and doing other unmentionable things. I did all those things thinking it was I could earn an outcome from God. My mom visited me. And mom, if I embarrass you, you can whoop me and you can, you can tan my hide out later. 
I was sitting on the front porch in Grand Blank, and we had a porch swing, and I was sitting in the swing, and my mom came out, and my mom was not in church at that time. God was dealing with her, and she came out, and she said, God told me something. You're getting ready to go away to Bible college. And he said, your life's going to be like Jacob." And you're going to put your head on a rock. And it's going to be a hard walk. But God will go before you. And God will do great things. But it's going to be difficult at times. And I went to Bible college and I came back. And my mom revisited me once again with that story. But she had three rocks. She gave me three stones. She said, do you remember, and this was when I was going through things with Boston, and she said, do you remember when I told you? And I, I remembered. And I got those three stones to this day. They sit on my dresser right next to where I lay my head. And they serve there because I understood that there are great things that come upon the people of God. There is greatness that is destined for his children. But our viewpoint sometimes is that the greatness is when you're on top of the world. That greatness is when everybody knows your name and everybody is applauding you and everybody's shaking your hand and everybody likes you. That that's where we think the greatness is. But sometimes the greatness is in the middle of the stay. And will there be a video of when we were 20 years ago that we were sitting on the front row in the middle of disaster, in the middle of torture, in the middle of depression, in the middle of quitting, in the middle of walking away. But we're on the front row watching the miracle of God walk at five years old. Sometimes the greatness of the stay is to sit and watch and listen and wait on the Lord. I'm no different than anybody else that's ever backslid, that's ever turned away from God, that got hit and, and, and bitter and left because of this or that. I'm no different than them. Everything in me wanted to do that when I was going in through that situation. Everything in me. My mind, my thoughts, my emotions, my desires, my passions were all towards fleeing. Not the lovely people of this church. They were wonderful. I, was, I wanted to flee the pain of the experience. The pain of what I was going through. The pain of what I thought the future would be for my family and my son. Greatness in the stay cannot be overstated. It cannot be over applauded in heaven. I'm telling you that there are angels that are watching the situation that you're going through. That God who is in heaven 
It says that he is near to the brokenhearted, that he saves the crushed in spirit, that you're not sitting there all by yourself. You're sitting there with an angel on your left and on your right, one behind you and one in front of you. You're sitting there with the watchful hand, the watchful eye of the Lord, and he's got a grip on your heart. He's got a grip on the situation. God's not going to drop you. God's not going to abandon you. God's not going to misuse you. God's not going to abuse you. But God is looking at you, and he's saying, I see greatness in this person. I see greatness in this situation. The things, the greatness that Joseph did in the stay led to the greatness of the dreams and fulfillment. Moses and Aaron come onto the scene after Joseph. The children of Israel after Joseph. You know, Joseph moved his, his dad, his brothers, his sister-in-laws, his nieces and nephews. He moved them all into Egypt because there was a famine in the land. And they get there. There was nothing to eat outside of Egypt when the famine was going on. By the Spirit of the Lord giving Joseph wisdom, he had Pharaoh and his people dig large caverns in the earth that acted like storage containers. And they filled them with grain. And so when the famine hit, they had a surplus to feed the world. But outside of that, People were dying if they couldn't buy the grain, if they couldn't partake of it. And Joseph's brothers come in. But Joseph had already been great when he served under Potiphar. And Joseph was greatness in the stay when he went from Potiphar into the jail. As he served the jailer, he was great as he guarded fellow prisoners like himself. And his greatness in obedience, his greatness in humility, his greatness in his attitude and his humbleness, it was refining him. It was defining him. It was making him great for his destination. And when Joseph was exalted before all of Egypt, Pharaoh said, there is none greater than Joseph in all the land except me on the throne. Joseph, greatness was nothing but a reflection of God's greatness. And all of Egypt saw the greatness. And when Jacob and his sons came down at the hand and invitation of Joseph, and they come into Egypt, and they don't have anything to eat where they're at, 
and they're needing a new home, they're needing a new land, they're needing a new place of refuge. Joseph goes before Pharaoh and he says, I want to bring my dad and my family back and I need to give them a place to stay and I need to give them a a land that they can put their flocks on and their cattle on and they need a, a land to plant their crops. And Pharaoh says, well, I've got an idea. I want you to give them the best land in all of Egypt. The best land in all of Egypt. Land that just happened to be by the Nile River in the middle of a drought. Land that would be watered and be green when everything else was dried up. All of a sudden, the children of Israel were given the best of the best. But every time we think of the children of Israel in Egypt, we think of captivity, we think of bondage, we think of harsh punishment, we think of all the negative things, and we leave out the greatness in the stay. That in the greatness of the stay, Israel was multiplied. Israel began to grow and to flourish. It says that their possessions began to multiply. It says that their, their, their families began to grow, that they were having babies and grandchildren, and there was a community that was being built that the Jewish nation would use in the generations to come. The generations that built Canaan were born in Egypt. You're not getting it. The greatness that God did in Canaan land, all of the ethics, all of the morals, all of the teachings, all of the fight that was in the children of Israel, it was born in the stay. It was formed when they were in bondage. It was refined while they were under the hand of Pharaoh. All the tribulation was making the greatest nation that would go and conquer and take over the promised land. We want the greatness of the promise without having to be great in the middle of the stay. You like Bishop. You like your pastor. You like Brother Larry. You like the elders. You like their leadership. But the things that they had to go through, the giants that they had to face, the, the times that we had to sit in the middle of despair is what has refined the ministry that God has put within us. But that's a double-edged point. That's a double-edged sword. For as this congregation loves to hear that the ministry is the same as the saints of God and we don't exalt man in this church and God forbid we ever will and we don't exalt our works, we exalt the work of God. But with that, the responsibility that's on your elders is the same responsibility that's on the saints of God. The greatness that you see in the ministries before you was with greatness in the middle of the stay. But the greatness that God's calling you to, the greatness of your ministry, the greatness of the destination that you're going to, will only reach the highest climax of it unless there is greatness in the midst of the stay. When times are tough, 
when days are dark, what is our spirit? What is our attitude? It's been a week. Everybody has got their own problems, and, and I don't, I'm not setting my problems before you, but God uses us as examples. It's been a week, and God puts opposites together. That doesn't necessarily mean we have opposite feelings all the time. Sometimes it's just opposite how we deal with those feelings. My job in the home is to be the man. Sorry to all those who feel differently. You're wrong. Not the man is in domineering and Lord, but the man is the rock in the scripture, the spiritual lead below Jesus in my home. And the emotions my wife testified to of feelings that were creeping up from 17, 18 years ago. Those feelings you think you conquer. Those giants you think you slay. That valley you think you know your way through. The darkness that you've learned to find the light switch in. All of a sudden, when you don't walk through that valley and you don't sleep in those dark rooms anymore, sometimes you, you tend to forget where the light switch is. It doesn't mean that you won't find it. It just means that you might stumble a little bit until your hand touches it on the wall plate in the midst of the midnight. Her job was to be the mom. My job was to be the dad. I don't want my wife being the strong spiritual leader of my home. I want her strong spiritually. I don't want her to be the spiritual leader of my home. And I'm not preaching on men and women. What I'm preaching about is the order of God in the middle of the stay. My wife is crying and she's an emotional case. I'm in trouble for that. I couldn't stop it. I was trying to reel it in. She was a case, but I was a wreck inside. But I can't let my wife see it. It doesn't do any good if I'm an emotional wreck and she's an emotional case. That's a case of wreckage. Her response is to cry. Her response is to show the emotion and the empathy. And my response is to say God is in control and God will help us out. And I did hear from God and God spoke to my heart a day before that. And he said, I don't want you to unravel the victories that I have woven together for you. And the reason he spoke that to me, and I didn't even tell you because I want to be strong, is because I was the one that took my son down yet again to get hooked up to wires. And my son has a doll of CP3O. And if you don't know what that is, you need to become a Star Wars nerd. It's a droid, a robot in the Star Wars galaxy 
And my son comes out with it. And he's mad that he's got to get hooked up to wires. Because in his mind, they're making him CP3O. And we can laugh and think that's light. But the fear of my son, who thinks that he's being changed to be something that's not human, and something that doesn't have feelings, and something that is robotic instead of humanistic, it disturbed me. But I don't have the luxury of talking about the things that disturb me to my wife and to my family in the midst of destruction. Bishops taught me, you take them to the throne room. You take them to him. God, when I was sitting in that parking ramp down at Ann Arbor, we were about 20 minutes early and I sat there. And I'm trying to not cry because I didn't want to walk into the hospital with bloodshot eyes and appear to my son who's sitting beside me that his dad's weeping before we're getting ready to walk into something that he fears. But I sat there crying in my mind before God. And God spoke and he said, don't unravel what I have put together in your life. I gave you the victory all those years ago. I gave you miracle after miracle after miracle with your child. More life tabernacle, what I'm trying to tell you with everything in me, and I might be failing miserably, is that sometimes sitting in the car in the middle of the parking lot, crying inside, is the greatness in the state. It's not cussing out the Lord, walking out of church, quitting everything you've got, letting it all go, because the God that did it before will do it again. He said, I'm going to make my people great. In their stay, I'm telling you, more life tabernacle right where you're at. God is more focused on, He's more concerned about where you're at right now than where you're going to be next week. God will handle that next week, but right now, He wants you to know that He wants greatness for you, He wants great things for you. There is no greater example of greatness in the state. And when my Lord was great on the cross, there's no greater stay than the stay of the cross. The Word of God says that He opened not His mouth, that He was a lamb led to the slaughter. It says that He 
humbled himself to the cross. Hear the word of God. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself, and he took the form of a servant, and he was born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Because the man Christ Jesus humbled his flesh, humbled the desires of the flesh, Humble the instincts of the flesh to the cross. He was great in the stay. That by being great when you're being led to the cross, by by being great when you're hanging on the cross, by being great on your last breath of the cross, Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. That every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. You're not getting to the throne room unless we learn greatness in the middle of the stay. Joseph wouldn't have never have made that throne room if he wasn't great in slavery, if he wasn't great in imprisonment. Joseph never would have made it to the throne room. Oaks, they sang the song, Throne Room. And we're all headed that direction. We're all fixed and focused on that being our destination. But our stay here on earth, we must be great in it. We must live it greatly. We must walk before the Lord greatly. We must sell out greatly we must dedicate greatly we must surrender greatly before God the musicians would come greatness in the stay Daniel 5.12, my wife recently taught the musicians and choir on this. 
Daniel 5.12 says, Because an excellent spirit, knowledge and understanding to interpret dreams, explain riddles, and solve problems were found in this Daniel. It says, because of those things, Daniel was brought in before the king. And the king said to Daniel, You are that Daniel, one of the exiles of Judah, whom the king my father brought from Judah. I have heard of you, and that the spirit of the gods is in you. And that light and understanding and excellent wisdom is found in you. I know that there's people here and you've been going through a situation. I feel the Lord in particular saying that you're facing uncertainties that you're not used to facing. You're used to having a grip on things. You're, having, you're used to having a pretty good outtake on your reality. You're a little confused. You're a little beside yourself because you're used to having it all planned out. You're used to knowing where the exit signs are and the escape routes are. You know where the fire shoot is you packed your reserve parachute you're just waiting to deploy it I want to tell you don't panic when you reach for that wall to flip the light switch on and you miss and you hit the closet don't panic when technology does technology. Make sure you're lifting your mics up. Sometimes God gets your attention real quick. Reaching for that light switch. I know where God's at. He's right over here. He's right over here. He's somewhere over here. He's over here. It was right here where I prayed through. Well, so, so I can find God here. No, you can't. I got I my keys. I can go. How do I get out of this place? Lord, you were over here. Sometimes it takes more than one reach to find what you're looking for. Sometimes it takes a little bit of patience. Sometimes it takes a little bit of faith. Just say, God, I didn't get it right at first. Punched a wall in the drywall looking for that light. 
tripped over the dog that should have been in his bed. That was a jab at my own dog. Wasn't supposed to happen this way. But if you keep your arm out, reaching for God, in the midst of that dark room, in the midst of midnight, your hand's going to find the hand of God. And you're going to feel that familiar strength that you're used to. You're going to find that switch, and when you turn it on, you're going to still be in the same room. You've just got the light of God to see what's coming at you. In the name of Jesus, I pray, God, guide their hands that they will find the light switch in this service. God, I pray that the light of the Holy Ghost will begin to shine into the darkness that they're in. God, I pray, Lord, that you would steady their presence in you. You would steady their mind in you. You would steady their emotions in you, God. I pray, Lord, speak your word of faith to them that you are still doing what you began in them. Somebody here, you need to take your hand off the thread that you're unraveling all that God has done for you and put your hand on the light switch. everybody that would if you'd stand you've been feeling claustrophobic and you've been tugging and you've been pulling on those things that you shouldn't be tugging on you've been tugging on your faith you've been tugging on the victories I know that the storm is outside I know that there's hurt and there's pain I'm a veteran of those places. Brother Larry, I know that there will be many more dark nights in your life and in my life. That doesn't depress me. But it makes me even more determined to know that I'm going to find the light. wonder if you couldn't begin to lift your hands towards the Lord all across this place right now. God, I'm reaching for you. God, I'm reaching for that light switch. God, I'm ready for this darkness to get invaded by a burst of light from heaven. God, I'm ready to see what's been all around me. I'm ready to see right what's been going on. God, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would give me greatness in the middle of the stage. Sweeping over this place. 
There's some lights being thrown all over the house. From the inside, from the inside, of me, set me on fire. From the inside, from the inside of me. I wonder if there's anybody. But you want to step out of your aisle and you want to start heading towards the light. You want to start putting your hand forth and saying, God, I'm coming to find you. Lord, I'm coming to get deliverance from this place. Lord, I'm coming to find that light switch in you, God. Lord, I know that things have been tough in my life, but I want to be grateful for you. I'm inviting everyone that would, if you'd find the Lord, if you'd come and find a place before God. Lord, my hand reaches for you. From the inside. Oh Lord, I'm searching for you. From the inside. Lord, I'm reaching for you, God. 